Good afternoon to you all. <laughs> Am I ahead of time? Good afternoon. Well, uh, God is here this day, and um, He's really, you know, He's really lavishing us with His, with His great love and mercy. You know, when it's lavished upon us, it's it's given out without limit, without measure, to just say, have it all, have all of me, and what an enjoyable experience it has been. Thanks, Liz and the team, for this great experience. I'm humbled to be in such, you know, in the presence of such a, go- a great and mighty God. And um, before I share the word, I just have a small testimony. So on Wednesday, we were at our connect group um, in Thorpe Park, and uh, we were sharing our struggles. And uh, I, I shared and I said, I'm struggling with sleep these days. I can't sleep. Uh, we were sharing as, you know, a connect group. And uh, I remember Eric prayed a very funny prayer that everyone was laughing when Eric was praying for us and say, please, Lord, give whoever is struggling with sleep some sleep. Help them to sleep. You know, it was in a funny way. And, um, but from that, that evening, I have been sleeping like a baby. Yes. So I thank God that, uh, you know, sometimes we go before God, we want to have some serious faces. God is our father. We can come to him and say in a funny way, God, just help me, please. I know you are my father. You are my daddy. I know you love me. That prayer was so simple but so effective. And uh, I just realized, it is only this morning that I realized, hey, I've actually been sleeping quite well these days. So God is in control. Well, thank you. I, I was going to suggest, before Nathan came here, so I thank God, I was going to suggest that let's just find time to pray for one another because the presence of God was just, is just so overwhelming. But thank God uh, Nathan came along and uh, the same thing happened. So I give glory to God. Now I'm going to talk on this subject as we continue with our disciples making disciples. And um, now this one is not going to be fun, but it's not going to be long. <laughs> so can we turn our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5 from verse 43 to 48. Now Nathan started this last week and I thank God for that. He opened up on this message. Uh, I was actually saying to Keith last week that, oh, I thank God Nathan has opened a message that God has been ministering into my life. So here it goes. So Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read with my Bible. It's an NIV version. And it says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. I hope we are following that uh, this morning. Um, so this message 
I've given it a title uh, called Jesus Culture. Now, this title, I took it from one of uh, the bands that I love so much called Jesus Culture. Um, it's one, the first song that Joel loved was by Jesus Culture uh, called My Soul Longs For You. And um, it's because when we were, we used to go to South Africa a lot with my wife by road. So when she was heavily pregnant, we took that uh, 600 mile journey to South Africa. And when we came back, it was the song that was playing almost all the way. So he was still in his mom's tummy, but we eventually escaped from his mom's tummy. And uh, we were just playing that song on TV. He was making funny noises, funny sounds, you know what a baby does, but when he heard that song, he became so quiet. And it was the only song that even when he started, you know, walking around, he would always request that song. If you, if you, if you played another song, he would cry. Put back that song. So I've just called this message Jesus Culture. Why did I call it Jesus Culture? Because... When Jesus came and when he started teaching on Matthew chapter 5, he was teaching us a way of life for those who are in him. A way of life for those who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. It's, it, it, it's not, I, I like what uh, Nathan said the other time. He said, it was not about do's and don'ts. The Beatitudes are not do attitudes. I like that. But it's a way of life. It's something that when it's ingrained in you, you do it without effort. You do it without thinking twice, you know. Things like eating. No, you can, you, you can actually eat without thinking, you know that. Because it's a way of life. You can actually go have a shower without thinking to say, mm, mm, water, H2O, what's happening here? No, you, you don't think about it. All you want is the refreshing, you know, that you get from from having a shower. So Jesus, as he came down here on earth and as he taught us, he wanted us to walk in him and live a fragrance, you know, as, uh, as, as Felix was sharing here. You know, he wanted us to walk in a new way that would attract more people to him. And now this new way that attracts more people to him is not easy. It's not easy, but it is possible. Because anything that is attractive is different. As a man, to be attractive to a woman, there has to be something different about this woman because there are millions of women walking around. But for you to pinpoint and say, Valeria is the one. Jan is the one. Oh, I'm picking, up on, I'm picking on you, Keith, today. Jan is the one for me. You know, there, there has to be something that attracts you. That is so different from this other woman. That is so different from this other person. That makes her unique to you. So there's a walk that if we walk in this way, we become attractive to others out there because, mind you, whether I like it or not, you are a role model to someone. But that person is not telling you. They won't tell you. They will tell you when the time is right or some will never tell you until you die. But you are a role model for someone. Somebody admires you. Somebody envies you. Somebody wishes they were like you. So the way you walk, People are watching you. If you thought there were no stalkers, well, there are stalkers in the world. They are watching you. They are following you every step of the way. 
They want their marriages to be modeled in exactly the same way that yours is modeled. They want their, their careers to be modeled in the same way that your career is modeled. They want to be happy. They want to smile. They, they want to know what makes you tick. So it is imperative that our lives must attract others to Christ. That is what true discipleship is. And this is what Jesus came to show us. He came to lead us and to show us the way. Is somebody listening to me? Okay. Now, I can't find my notes. I wanted to do it on the screen, but uh, the screen wouldn't accept. It said no, so I'm going with what I have. So, here, this is what Jesus taught us. He says, you have heard. Now, Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. The law was full of do's and don'ts. Now, I'm reading the book of Leviticus at the moment. I started from Genesis again. Because every time I say I'm starting again. So, I started from Genesis. Now, I'm in the book of Leviticus. And it was all about what needs to be done and what needs not to be done. And there were consequences for things that were not required to be done if they were to be done. And one of the consequences was death. And I remember Leviticus chapter 10, when Nadab and Abihu offered a strange fire before God, and God burned them right there. And the Bible says Moses made a comment that this is what God meant when he said, you know, I will be, I will be proven righteous. <laughs> and the Bible says, and Aaron said nothing. Because Aaron was the father. And when Moses made that comment, Aaron said nothing. Because that comment to me was sort of like in a sarcastic way. But what Moses was saying is, God is saying, do not play with me. I am not here to play. So the laws were really hard. And that's why Paul says, the more the people tried to apply the law, the more sin became evident. Because what the law did was it, it revealed sin. It exposed people. So Jesus came to cover us. He came to protect his own. You know, when you, when you have a family, you, you, you do all you can to protect your family. You build a hedge around them. You buy dogs if possible. If your area is dangerous, you buy very dangerous dogs. You want to protect your territory. You want to know who your daughter has been working with. Who is that boy you are working with? You want to protect your territory. So Jesus came to protect. You are his territory. So this is what he says. So Jesus' culture is different. He says, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Now, Nathan pointed out last week that when you come to Christ, and you start showing your peers, your friends, your brothers, your own family, that you are now a follower of Christ, you create enemies. Walking with Christ is about creating enemies, whether you like it or not. If you don't have any enemies and you are in Christ, there is something wrong with you. I used to say to our, our people back home that if you are in Christ and no one hates you, you are walking with the devil. Because if you are real in Christ and you are walking in step with him, people of the world will hate you. 
My daughters, they are always on social media, you know, TikTok, blah, blah, blah. And they were saying something about a celebrity who has got millions of followers, and all of a sudden he says, I follow Jesus. And all the followers turned against him and said, we wish we had known this earlier. We wouldn't be following you. You see, all this time he was dancing according to their tune. And they were following him and liking him and doing that. But the moment he mentions Jesus, they go against him. They say, why? Why are you talking about him? We want you. Why are you introducing him? You see, when people love you for as much as you dance according to their tune, but the moment you dance according to the tune of heaven, they start hating you. They become your enemies. Now, an enemy is one who is actively opposed to you, opposed to your views, opposed to your way of life. That's an enemy. But So, it's easy to hate somebody back. It's easy to say, you hate me, I hate you, we are square. <laughs> All right? No problem. You go your way, I go your way. If I see where you walk, I'll spit on your, on, on, your, on your footprint because I hate you. It's easy. And life goes on. But no, that, that's not the way of God. That's not the way of Christ. The way of Christ is love. Love. Because when you love, you have gotten to an elevated point. A point where you see things from God's perspective, not the world. The world, they just hate each other. They, just, they can do it. They just hate each other. They form gangsters. There's a gang, a gang in Addlestone and a gang in Chelsea. And all they do when they meet is they fight. Because that's all there is to do. You are in our territory. You are in this. You are in that. This is what the world does. And God is saying to us, we don't need to behave in that way. Because the moment we start behaving the way that the world behaves, we have lost the plot. You cannot capture someone that you don't love. You have to love someone. When I was a little bit younger and I was starting out in praise and worship, my pastor would say to me, you don't sing to people that you don't talk to. So come early to church, talk to people, talk to them, let them get to know you. So that when you stand in front of them and you start ministering to them, they say, yes, that's a nice boy. But if, you just, if I come here, I'm nasty to you, I don't talk to anybody, you offer me coffee, I tell you, I don't think that stuff is disgusting. And I walk in here, and then I come in here and say, good morning, I'm going to preach to you. The coffee maker is going to be saying, oh, not you. I'm not going to listen to you. <laughs> so Jesus' way is for us to bring even those that have something against us closer to him. When you love somebody who hates you, it's not easy. But at the end of the day, God comes through. Loving our enemies is God's way of penetrating even into the hearts that think they are impenetrable so that you can come. And there is nothing greater than being drawn to a heart of love when you have been hating somebody. You feel it. When you come, you say, oh, I have just realized that there is more to this than what I thought. Because I'm telling you, hatred is dismissive. I hate you, that's it. No phone calls, no WhatsApp, no text, no video calls. I don't come to your funeral, don't come to my wedding. If you come to my funeral, as I lie in the coffin, I'll wake up and I'll say, go away, and I'll go back to being dead. It's easy to do that. But Christ wants us to do it his way. And his way is to love. 
your enemies. His way is to be attracted to our enemies. The more they hate us, the more we draw closer to them. His way is to pray for those that persecute us. There are those that persecute us. We have been persecuted. Now, persecution, it has got levels. Now, there are some that are being persecuted. Nathan was talking about how Christians all over the world are being persecuted. Some are being killed. Some churches are being closed by governments to say, you are not allowed to use this name. Shut it down. But there is persecution of a certain level that is in the Western world. It is the persecution where people just taunt you because you love God. Each time at work, they, when you walk in the kitchen, they say, uh-oh, here she comes again. The wife of the pastor is here. I wonder what verse she's going to share with us today. And they, I, I, I remember I had this guy who would come to me and say, Solomon had a thousand wives. Why do you say you should only have one wife when Solomon had 700 wives or was it 300 wives and 700 concubines? He had a thousand. He would always come to me and say these things to me and say these things to me and say, I want you to give me an answer. It's a persecution in a way. He's saying to you, you don't know what you believe. But then one day, I said, okay, enough is enough. I said to him, the thing is, if you want to know about Christ, come into Christ. If you want to know about football, be a player. It's very easy to comment when you're sitting at the grandstand, say, yay, that player needs to go out. <laughs> oh, come on, Hurricane missed the penalty. Oh, my God. You, you hold your head like this. Oh and then you use all the swearing words you can talk about. But go in. Be given the ball. Put it on the penalty spot. You kick it. <laughs> kick the ball. There is the keeper. There are the crowds, the thousands. They are cheering you on. They are swing, singing, Sweet Caroline. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Come on! You score the goal. That's when you realize that if you thought fellowship was for people, your legs can fellowship as well as they do this. That's when you realize that this life is not so easy. So come in. When you come in, that's when things start making sense. So I say to him, just because Solomon had a thousand wives does not mean that God loved him less. But God wanted us to learn from his experience how dangerous it is to have so many of them when you can't even handle one. And what does the Bible say? It says, and his wives led him astray. And his wife, each woman was bringing her own God. Oh, this is my God. Each woman was bringing her own God. And Solomon ended up not knowing who is the real God in this. Who is, you see, and so I said, I would rather stick with one who we speak the same language with, who we worship the same God with, and who we raise our family with the godly values that both of us understand than have a thousand wives who I won't even have time for, and who will lead me astray. Okay, that's not the point. The point is, there are people that persecute you because you follow Christ. There are people that try to shut you out because you follow Christ. There are managers that don't want to promote you because they understand you follow Christ. They want to punish you for it. But I'm telling you, our God is not blind. And one thing I know about God is God has influenced people to sign papers against their will. 
if the paper has something to do with your welfare. God goes into any office, even Rishi Sunak's office, goes, God goes there. If we want him to go there, we say, go, go into that office. We need a certain petition to be signed. God will do it. Because God is not limited by doors and by security guards. So, pray for those that persecute you. What prayer am I making? You are making a prayer to say, God, let their hearts turn to you. You see, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he has been tormented, he has been beaten, he has got scars, his body is in pain, and on top of that, they put nails in his body, hanging on a tree like a robber. Still, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. He did not say to them, you don't know who you are dealing with. <laughs> Wait, I will be back. <laughs> no, he did not say that. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, that's a different attitude. You see, Paul says in Philippians, has the mind that was in Christ. It's a different mind. It's a different attitude. You don't pay back because when somebody persecutes you, they expect you to persecute them back. Because that's the way of the world. I persecute you, you persecute me back. I go home, I have, I have to think up something to persecute you again with. But when you pray for me, when you love me, then it confuses the enemy. You see, one, one act of worshiping God is confusing the enemy. When the enemy thinks he's done with you, he realizes, no, this person is immovable. This person is like a brick wall. You can't do anything. Why? Because there's Christ in us. So, love your enemies, pray for those that persecute you, so that you may become children of your father who is in heaven. What? Yeah. When you love your enemies and pray, you become children. So, becoming a child is a process. There is some working out that needs to be done in you. It's like somebody who goes to the gym. You don't go to the gym today, like me, I've got quite a, a one pack, and then I go to the gym today, and then I come out and I'm like, okay, I'm good, I'm good. No, you don't become good in one day. You see, salvation is a process. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is a process. It's not an event. It is a process. An event is a wedding day. That's an event. But I always say for the married couple, the wedding starts when we all go home and the two of you are left. That's when the wedding starts. Because the wedding has led you to a marriage and it is the only institution where you are given a certificate before you start learning. <laughs> because in other institutions, you are given a certificate after learning. But this time, you are given a certificate before. In other words, God is saying to you, you have already qualified. Now go. And then you realize, oh, he leaves the toilet seat up. Oh, he does this. Oh, the kitchen is in a mess. Ah, you are now learning. <laughs> so God is qualifying us every day. He is saving us every day. Every day there is a salvation going on. And so what we need to do is we need to walk along. We need to follow Christ because he is leading us to victory. And one of the victories is over our enemies. If your neighbor sends his dog to do poo in your yard, don't send your dog into their yard. 
and don't collect the poo and throw it over the hedge into their yard. This, this is basically what Christ is saying to us. It's difficult because the poo is disgusting. Sometimes you step on it and, and your shoes are disgusting. But love your neighbor. Yes, the Bible is not saying, don't tell your neighbor, oh, your dog is coming into my yard. No, you can tell them that. You say, if you could do something. But sometimes you do them and say, how do I control a four-legged animal? It can go wherever it wants. I'm not in control of it. Then it means this person wants war. Don't give them war. Give them grace. This is what the word says. Because by so doing, don't think they don't have brains. They have brains. And don't think God does not speak to them. He speaks to them. It's just that they are not listening. But the more you show them the other side of the world, the more they become attracted to you to say, how do you tolerate this? This is what Jesus was just teaching us. This is what Jesus was telling his disciples. So he says, so that you may become the children of God. And there is a value in becoming a child of God. There is a victory when you are a child of God. When you are a child of God, you rise above circumstances. You are like an eagle in the sky. It's not intimidated by a dog that's barking down here. No matter how loud your dog bark is, it does not intimidate an eagle. It can bark all night long at the eagle. The eagle will keep on flying. The eagle never stops to say, mm, that's too loud. See, when you rise above the people that hate you, their threats and whatever, they become music to your ears. You can actually, you know, when you have somebody who you know hates you, you can actually sleep at peace because you know the thieves will not come to your house because they are always looking at your house. So you can actually sleep in peace and say, oh, I know my neighbor is keeping watch over me. I have no fear. I have no worry. See, what God is saying is to us is, show them that you are different. Show them that by worshiping God, you have become a new creature. One that, well, you know, when people curse, you bless. You say it's okay. When people say, speak rumors about you in the workplace, you don't go about saying, I am going to take this much further. You don't know me. Do you know who I am? Do you really know where? You, you, you are not that kind of a person anymore. No matter who you are, you are a child of God. Let God fight your battles. It's not for you to fight them back. People who persecute you, people who say things, they say things about you all the time. Believe me, even those people that smile at you today say things about you at all times. Anybody can be a rumor monger. Anyone. People can say whatever. You go home. Did you see that guy was putting on a Lakers, uh, 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 you know, jersey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a piece of this and that. People who say that, that should not stop you because you have a greater power in you. And the greater power has given you the ability to love. Okay. I'm not going to last long in this. David is one king who, if he were to stand before God today, he would say, but God, you gave me a hard time on earth. He was hated by Saul. And not only was he hated, Saul wanted to kill him because Saul knew that David was going to be the next king. Believe me, it was not fair for David to be the next king because the person who was supposed to be king was Jonathan. 
the son of Saul. Okay? So after Saul, it was supposed to be Jonathan. But God had other ideas, other plans. He brought his own. You see, the, the job you are doing was supposed to be done by somebody else. But God brought you. I hope you understand this. The house you are living in was supposed to be somebody else's house. But God <laughs> brought you there. Because God does things by his own design and by his own framework. And no one can stop him. So Saul, when he realized that David was going to become king, he said the best way is to eliminate him. But God would not allow that to happen. And David realized that the way he was escaping from Saul was not by his own doing. It was God who was helping him. And when you read the Bible in 1 Samuel, David had two opportunities to kill Saul. One was in the cave. If I'm not mistaken, it's the cave of Adullam where Saul came to relieve himself. He did not realize that David and his men were in the cave. And he bent down, did his business, and David went and cut a piece of cloth from Saul's robe. Even though his friends had said, this God has been given you a penalty. This is a penalty that will make you win the World Cup. Score it. David says, I will not touch the anointed one of God. Now, David says the anointed one, even though he knew that Saul had a demon. Because David used to play instruments. For Saul. You know, in worship I was really, my spirit was taken upwards when uh, Matt began to play the, one of my favorite songs, Great Are You, Lord. I just love that song. My spirit just felt, you know, I felt, oh yeah, this is it. This is it. The demon, I'm not saying I'm demon-possessed, no. <laughs> but I'm just, I want to illustrate something. When David would play for Saul, he would relax. I think you know this from those who read he would relax. So David knew this guy is demon-possessed. This guy is not normal. This guy has got issues with his mental health. He has schizophrenia, this guy. This guy is schizophrenic, but David still calls him the anointed one. And he says, I will not touch the anointed one. The second time, Saul and his army slept, and God gave them deep sleep. And David came into their midst. He came to where Saul was sleeping, with a guard on this side, a guard on that side, his spear in the ground. <laughs> but still he did not touch him. And when David became king, he did something bad with uh, Bathsheba. You know what happened? And then he ended up killing a man. And then afterwards, his own son Absalom came and performed a coup in Israel. He removed his father by force. And his father had to leave Israel and when he was going away, he met people who were, you know, rebuking him and, and mocking him. One of them was Shimei, who mocked him, who threw stones at him, who threw sand at him to say, oh, what a rubbish king you are. But the Bible says, David said, don't touch him. He, he was forced to flee his own palace by his own son. But guess what? When his army went to fight against these people, David said to Joab, his commander, in the presence of all his soldiers, be gentle with Absalom for my sake. 
He did not say, when you get Absalom, I want you to cut him into 12 pieces and send every piece to every tribe to remind them of what happens to anyone who turns against the king. He says, be gentle with my son. Be gentle. But this son has removed you from the palace. Be gentle. This is exactly the character that God wants us to possess when it comes to people who hate us. Be gentle. I'm going to read Romans chapter 12 as I finish. Love your enemies. Love those that persecute you. Because God sends rain to them. God, when God sends rain, he doesn't segregate to say, rain is going to fall on Beacon, but it's not going to fall on this pub because these people hate me. No, when rain comes, it covers the whole place. When his sun comes out, when it's summer, everyone in England is in summer. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone enjoys summer. Even those that curse God, they go to the beach and they curse God as they sleep by the sand. They say there's no God. He gives them the sun. He does not withhold his sun from them. So God is expecting us to do the same. So in Romans chapter 12, he, Paul writes now and says to, 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 to his people, he says, verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So let no curse come from your mouth but blessing. In other words, you have, to you have to ask God to help you to train yourself to be able to bless those who persecute you. If somebody gives you the middle finger, you give them five fingers. Okay? Because you are not a finger person. You are a whole hand person. You are a whole person. You don't do fingers. You do the whole hand. Alright? So when somebody shouts at you, you don't shout back. A gentle answer turns away wrath. You know how to answer. That way, there are people around you who are watching. They become attracted to you as well. Because it's not only the enemy, but the people around you who say, how come this person is calm? I should have boxed somebody to death. Why are you calm? It's because of who is in you. This is what Paul says. He says, I will skip some scriptures. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There's somebody who shouted peace here. He says, I have peace. All right? Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. The Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals in his, on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this is what Paul says to us. In view of our enemies, Paul had enemies. We have enemies. Whether some of them we don't know them, some of them we know them. But the answer to our enemies is to love them back. When they are hungry, feed them. When they are thirsty, give them something to drink. By so doing, you are making them feel guilty. To say, why do I do this? Why am I always like this, but this person does not pay me back? Christ wants us to spread his fragrance around so that everyone may become attracted to him. And one of the ways is to love the unlovable 
It is to pray for the unprayable. If ever there's a word like that. Those unprayable, pray for them. As difficult as it is, lift them up to God in prayer and say, Lord, bless them. Keep them safe. Don't let them die before they see your glory. Let them see you, God. And what will God do? He will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. God lavishes your life. God flourishes in you. And according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 12, Jesus says, if you are persecuted, greater is your reward in heaven. So the more they persecute you, the greater your reward is. The more they hate you, the more a child of God you become. So let them hate you. Let them persecute you. Say, bring it on. I'll bring love back because I have seen Christ and I know Christ. May the name of Jesus be praised and may you all be blessed as you go out there as victors in the presence of God. Amen.